Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up woman. This podcast is brought to you by Hush, laid-back style for rebel women. By the way, if you listen to this on a new app called Entail, E-N-T-A-L-E, you'll be able to see pictures, shop links, and generally have a really relaxing magazine experience. Hi, I'm Annabelle. And I'm absolutely fine, uh, but I am I, I'm in a very dangerous mood. <laughs> oh, God. Hold on to your hats. I'm in a very dangerous I feel like my smile muscles have been cut. And uh, I'm furious and angry, and my bra... Micro-irritation, Emily. My bra doesn't fit. I cuddled a fucking cat, because I thought I could suck up some endorphins, I'd feel better. So I look insane, because I'm covered in cat hair. You're a crazy cat lady. Yep. I've got an eyelash in my eyes, so I'm blinking, 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 rubbing, rubbing, rubbing. And um, I'm also a bit snuffly and sort of snotty and disgusting. How are you? <laughs> well, I'm actually fine, but I was slightly obsessively looking at my crow's feet um, this weekend. And sometimes I think, oh, crow's feet, look at me wearing the wisdom. It's amazing what's going on with my face. Hard one experience. Exactly. And then other times I think, oh, God, you look so haggard. Um, anyway, so today we've got not one but two guests in the studio. They are the best of friends who, after years of frustration, got together and wrote a book that you all need to read. Nine publishers fought a bidding war to get their hands on this manuscript, and Cheryl Sandberg thinks it's a must-read for everyone. Yomi Adegoke and Elizabeth Uvio Bellinay are the authors of Slay in Your Lane, the Black Girl Bible, an unflinching look at the reality of being a young black woman trying to make your way in the world today. Thank you so much for being here. How Hi. are you? Thanks for having us. Yeah, honestly. What um, an introduction. <laughs> I, was about to say, I was just about to say, I'm absolutely fine, but I was really tired and then that introduction really pet me up. Oh, <laughs> so and pleased. made me feel very important. Is that all it takes? Oh, we're so we said so earlier easy. we're so easy to please. A cup of tea and a few compliments. We're, we're anybody's. And Great cheat dates. <laughs> sometimes that's the thing that just literally can shift something. Just a cuppa and a nice word. Honestly, mm, and, a and a biggie. How are you, Elizabeth? Oh, I'm absolutely fine, but I've been recently been battling adult acne uh, out well, of the blue that is not acne I do have <laughs> acne. acne I've I've had like 26 years of perfect skin and I say that for someone who doesn't really drink that much water and all of a sudden it's all caught up with me and I don't know what to do so yeah I'm absolutely fine skin but my perfect. skin is but playing tricks acne. on me it's very depressing that is it? it makes you feel when I when I've had times in my life from going from like oh she's got marvelous skin to the skin is not so marvellous. <laughs> makes me feel kind of dirty. Like I haven't washed my face oh my God, properly. Tell me about it. Or, you know, just sort of, you know, that, that thing, you, you can't walk out the door and yeah. just sort of, you know, walk into the sunset. So you scrub harder, mm. but the problem is you're not meant to because then it scars and, mm. you know, it's all a bit weird. Also, sometimes I think that, you know, when I look really well, it's because I'm having a, like an allergic reaction to something because <laughs> I'm, because I go red and sort of peachy, but actually I think that's like rosacea, rosacea? How do you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, rosacea, inflammation. Inflammation. Um, and people go, you look well. And I go, no, I look like I'm on fire. <laughs> but thanks. Yeah, you look well. I think you look very fat or very inflamed. Um, thank you for your book, which made, which was very frustrating to read because we felt as women, and we write a lot and talk a lot about being women in the workplace, in the world, 
we felt, both of us, I think, that we could identify with what you were writing about, but that we had never experienced what you were writing about. We'd experienced, what, a quarter of it? I don't know what the percentages are. But the really, the moment of huge relief for me in the book was when one of your, I obviously I forget now, but one of your, your women that you'd interviewed said, it is okay to say, I don't feel qualified to talk about this. You know, to admit that. Because otherwise yeah. there's a level of fear. Yeah. It was and, an and you have people come out to you about that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think <clears throat> it's something that me and Elizabeth have sort of come out to people with as well, because sometimes we'll be on panels. Um, and like when Elizabeth pitched the idea to me, she was literally 22 years old. I was 23. And then it's been a massive whirlwind for the past few years. So like now we sort of sit on panels and we'll do this massive discussion about the book and people will be like, so how do you think we can abolish racism and sexism in the workplace? And we're like, we literally don't know. Like, do you know what I mean? Like we didn't know before when we were sort of, you know, putting together the book, which is why we had all the interviewees, but we definitely still don't know now. Um, even having spoken to the interviewees who have like done all this amazing stuff, they don't have the answers. We don't have the answers. And a lot of this is about sort of institutional and structural change. So we're quite confident and But also happy to say. I think a lot of it is also partly about one of the things that we always say is that shame cannot survive being spoken. Mm. So if, the, if you are feeling bad and mm. you discuss it, things change, mm. don't they? Yeah. They start to... Do you Absolutely. think that it's... So how many years ago was that that you started planning the book? So 28, 2015, mm. March 2015. Oh, that's the idea. Have you yeah. noticed any well, changes fast. happening yeah. at all since Sorry. you started it in you know attitudes in any areas that you write about? It's weird. Whether it's education, which really struck me, mm. or, you know job you know have people started taking names off cvs has that started to happen i think name yeah, yeah name blind applications have like increased so some people some organizations are doing that actively um but it's interesting because when we had the idea in march 2015 it was just something that we just thought we were facing and navigating so it's, so it's interesting that in the last couple of years you've had so many women come out and in, in you know from on different platforms different publications talk about microaggressions talk about you know this unconscious bias so it's become a real buzzword and it's become like I guess top of a lot of people's agenda so if even if it's like you know corporate world or just in terms of you know in the creative scene about getting more diverse voices and magazines on front covers and just generally so I think we've definitely seen like a an increase of women and black women and people generally really talking about a lot of stuff that we came up with back in 2015 just because we just we were two girls navigating the workplace and maybe it's given them a way to say it yeah a vocabulary almost, yeah. microaggression, whatever that might be. Oh, absolutely. I was going to say, I remember Elizabeth brought up a really good point on a panel Thank about... Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm annoying. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, about... Um, because in the health chapter, she wrote about the fact that breast cancer was often characterised as sort of a white person's or white woman's illness, and that um, in Thornton Heath, um, where I live, and sort of in Croydon, where she lives, um, she was walking past posters that showed um, sort of Nicola Adams, that's her name, right? The boxer. Yeah. Yeah, Nicola Adams, um, the black female boxer, sort of um, talking about cancer. And I think that's a pretty big change, because yeah. before, there was literally no kind of imagery that showed black women talking about cancer or in any kind of context of cancer. I think that's quite a big... Um, when she picked up on it, I was kind of like, oh yeah, wait, I've never actually, before the advert, I'd never seen black women sort of associated you know, with that. You know, and it's interesting because yeah. for all we talk about um, work and education, that stuff, there is an arena where, you know, certainly for, for women, we've always felt it, and for black women, this is alerting me to it, of genuine danger to life. Whether that's through violence or through, you know, neglecting your health because you don't think it can happen to you because mm. you have no point of reference. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and from no one paying attention, basically. Yeah. I find that, I found the whole, the experience of reading the book, sort of incredibly 
so inspiring but also so unsettling in a way like for example there's um when you talk about i can't remember which chapter it was in but talk about the word nude and of course i suddenly realized that in no i know exactly what nude looks like to me mm. but and that's what looks that's what new tights look like across the globe mm. and i thought that is her- I, I find that sort of shameful and unsettling in myself so, yes, and that bit in the book where you talk about how plasters are supposed to be nude yeah. when they're sort of pale peach. <laughs> and we've grown up just honestly thinking that is what nude is. Um, so yeah, Yomi writes about it brilliantly. Yeah, yeah, Return exactly. on a compliment. It is compl- <laughs> no, it is Aren't you being nice uh, to each other? I don't know. It's so <laughs> fake. <laughs> but do you know what? Don't you find? So Annabelle and I wrote our book together and we we did our project together and ours was about wanting to be heard and to do with issues of... Um, being women in the workplace and uh, also being grown up, being, you know, I don't want to say middle-aged because we never say middle-aged, but, you know. <laughs> being 35 to mm. 45, mm. although our fastest growing audience is 25 to 35, which yeah. is interesting. Which is interesting, but the idea oh, I bet that you've got a big white audience. Yeah. Mm. You get an you audience do. that you're not absolutely. necessarily targeting. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, because they just want to know. Got to say. Yeah. Exactly, absolutely. because we're the big girls, but at the same time, you know, doing it with a friend is the best mm. because we have been able to to kind of work through our midlife crisis together. Well, I think you, t- <laughs> and you doubt yourselves less because actually, I mean, for you in your, tw- how old are you now? I'm 26, 27. Okay, yeah. so you're I'm almost 27. Yeah, okay, so I'm you're embryos. I'm actually 27. <laughs> you're embryos sitting here drinking tea. But you're embryos who are spokespeople. So how does that feel? How do you, I mean, did that frighten you when, when, the, when the spotlight really hit you guys? <laughs> Every mm. single day. I think it frightens me more now than it did when it was happening. Yeah. Because now I look back and go, wow. So we did all those things. We did like 47 events last year. We had like did you? so many, like we've had, I think over 5,000 people came across all the different types of events. So 400 people to like, you know, a room full of 30 people. So we really, really, really pushed this book hard. It was really important for us to be really visible. So I guess it's weird to talk about role models and, you know, it's important for us to have role models. So to kind of become people's role models just on the back of just an idea and doing something with your best friend, it's it's surreal. And sometimes when I think about it too much, it can be very like, you know, anxiety mm. inducing at some point. Do you have, there's a sense of imposter syndrome. Who am I? Yeah, yeah. To talk about this. Yeah, and it's a lot and of a lot like of self-deprecating. I think mm. I'm more self-deprecating now, I'm more like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm You've on always sh- been quite self-deprecating, yeah. but probably honestly even more so now. More so yeah. now, and it's weird how, down all yeah. The time. Because you just never want to, because people tell you how great this book is and how great you are and how you know inspirational and you just want to make sure that you know that you don't lose perspective and I think yeah. sometimes when you you know play things down so much then it can have you internalize it of like not what it actually is yeah, it's fine. there must be a balance between believing that you are not qualified to talk at all and mm. sort of talking about yourself in the third person Absolutely. <laughs> what's the middle road yeah. from the beginning it was like we knew okay what are our, what's our skill set um, we're very happy to sort of delegate who should do what because there was very little sort of clash of egos of like ne- we're both quite happy curtain pullers and we're quite happy to do things behind the scenes and that's why we, because of a lack of ego I think that's why we were able to sort of say we probably aren't the best people to tell people how to like slay in the lanes because we're not we're not there yet so we were quite happy to delegate and speak to these amazing women who've done it so also, I think just identifying a lane yeah exactly just putting a spotlight on, on something I wonder what happens in this lane exactly I think yeah. we're very happy to have those kind of conversations. Because your book really is quite investigative. Oh, definitely. It isn't yeah. so much you standing on soapboxes shouting. No, you know, you've, no. You've, you know, you've studied, you've analysed, you've talked to people who know more about it than you do. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is why it has the authority that maybe you can't give something when you're... 
Absolutely. 23. Yeah. You've got you had the had the energy to do it because yeah. we all need to Experience. get a bit of help. Yeah. Absolutely. All we had was opinions. Absolutely. And we and I think the thing about millennials where we get so arrogant thinking we're the first people to experience, you know, this thing and racism mm. and all of these things. And I think what was really important for us is for this book was to kind of shine shine a light on the kind of research that's been done before twenty fifteen and say, Okay, this is what people have been talking about. We have the opportunity because we're now with this big publisher to kind of shine a spotlight on these studies mm. that have been taking place before us. So mm. I think, yeah, I think we just, I don't know, I think every day we try not to have egos in things. And, mm. you know, it, no matter how someone tells you how amazing something is, you have to, don't, it's hard not to, you, it's important not to lose perspective Absolutely. because we did this not because we wanted to get rich or be famous or be role models. Maybe we did get it. rich a little bit. <laughs> 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 a little bit rich. Look at me rambling it's on. Just, just not but, yeah. would be nice. Yeah. 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 But also, just okay. Um, so why did you do it? Honestly, just to help black women navigate, that was the original idea, mm. help black women navigate the workplace. And then when we sat down and we spoke, we realized that there wasn't a book that spoke about health and black women, black women and representation of, you know, like in, in fashion and all these different areas, education. I mean, as Elizabeth sort of articulated in the education chapter, there's very little sort of discourse or literature that speaks about how black women are doing in schools, but one of the most kind of It key, just felt like from your book, all anyone ever said was be a nurse. Yeah, pretty much. And, and which is absolutely nothing wrong with being a nurse, but it's kind of just that absolutely tiny, yeah. like restricted idea of what You're it is black women can do. Exactly. And I think, I think a thing that's like, I guess, people miss a lot is the idea that sort of different demographics within the black, cause it's not black community, it's black communities like do better than others. So there's difference, there's like um, disparities between the Caribbean community um, and girls and boys and then the African community girls and boys for all kinds of different reasons. And like, even within like, um, I think I read a statistic that's not actually in the book that said something like mixed race children uh, um, underperform all black groups and worse than mo many black, um, many white groups, sorry. And it's because of that lack of specificity. We don't, learn why or understand why so that's we kind of try to drill into it a little bit just to show mm. that like we're not a monolithic group there's differences i remember um because i when you were talking about your experience at university when you were dancing and drinking and all the yeah. stuff that we all did at university <laughs> the, they, mess. The, 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 the other black students told you you were too black yeah and it reminded me of interviewing the comedian alan cars just i've just remembered this a few years ago and and when he and he was you know one of the first very very out comedians yeah. not just like you know, camp, but no one, yeah, no one yeah. actually knew Filming, Larry yeah. Grayson <laughs> style in the seventies. Um, but you know, but but you know, clearly gay, and, yeah. and 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 all the other gay comedians said, no, 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 you're far too yeah. gay. That was like. Oh, I just don't know what to yeah. do. Yeah, it's a really uh, that's that's another thing we thought was really important to sort of because we're like there's we're writing this for black women as black women and there's no point kind of sugarcoating or you know writing out things that we know happen. So we felt like the conversation around respectability politics, like being policed by your own community, was really important because, because what, you're letting the now, side down if you're yeah too, exactly and it means you're you can't be yourself. Negative expectations exactly, and I think that some of those expectations aren't even necessarily negative. They're just inverted commas too black, and I think me and Elizabeth, I mean we've been policed because like you know we have like straight hair like or we talk a particular way we've had honestly messages from people being like can't you guys have your afros out or can't you guys wear this or can't How you do are you that meant to talk Sometimes posher, sometimes more, more <laughs> like South London. South London, yeah. yeah, exactly. And but we it's really hard. It's, oscillate. It's, you can't please everyone. I mean, that's the thing. And I think really, as well, like for for as a message for girls generally, as well as mm. bla as black girls, is that you know you're constantly going to be told you're too loud, yeah. you're occupying too much space. You're you know use your your indoor voices or whatever, <laughs> or you know you're not going to get 
this not to mention that you're in some way asking for it mm. asking for anything back mm. on, on top of it and then you know look this way because you've got to look the part in order to fulfill you know and it's mm. just like sort of and you, you end up trying to and you know we've all done it fold yourself up into tiny Absolutely. pieces in order to and you just lose your sense of self and exactly. that's incredibly hard Perfectly that was something that we, yeah. th- that we felt oh, reading okay. about is that we struggled enough with our identities and I think it was mu- it must be much harder for young black women yeah the more marginalised you are in life the more you do struggle to kind of navigate spaces and um, I think we all have biases that kind of hold us back in terms of actually like seeing the bigger picture and other people's like lives so like I grew up with a brother who had a disability and just by that had just by experiencing that it opened my eyes to a, a facet of life that I didn't know existed as, essentially and I think we all have a we all have biases it isn't just a white person problem it isn't just and it's important for us to kind of talk about it and not you know be so quick to judge sometimes mm. and I think we wanted to strike that balance with staying your lane mm. and it not be oh my god this is what shit of the world and it's all white people's fault and that's it which I get and yeah. I think that's what the thing that you've done with the book as well is is that it's properly useful in terms of uh, arming people with facts mm. white and black mm. so that you can say well yeah, what about this what about that as well as the emotive stuff because the emotive stuff can it, you know you had to be the authority didn't mm. you if you were going to do it you can't just say this is how we feel mm. and not back it up and you've well, backed so it up also if you say to white Thank people you. this is you know, you know this is all your fault then you know white people throw their hands up and they go well sorry but I don't know what you want me to do about it <laughs> oh, so the conversation's over absolutely and I think that's something that as black women like you know as women full stop you have to kind of like obviously go the extra mile to prove yourself and then as black women you have to prove yourself doubly and then as black women from like you know working class areas you know Peckham and Queen we have to like prove ourselves triply so it's like is triply a word probably not but it is now (laughs) it is now and um I think in terms of that research that was absolutely you know by no means like a mistake like an accident or like a happy accident it was something that was so intentional because we were like okay we need to sort of make sure that we can prove our points through having these like authoritative voices as you had to be for all your lives exactly so our first way of sort of doing that was with the interviewees but the second way we did that was sort of like with the reams and reams and reams of research because if you kind of say to somebody we live in an institutionally racist country as you said the knee-jerk reaction is well you know what can I do about that how, how do you know that's true then we're like well here's 16 studies that show that you know this is definitely true and we're not making this up and then as you said the emotive element was only part of it for us it was a lot more important to just actually show people that this was really happening yeah it's just like the simple the simplicity of like the equal pay gap and yes. the, the date in November where women I always find Exactly. That, for me, that is just like uh, you know, and I, I've used it in in my life. It's like from now we're working for free yeah. because that's the, and everybody gets it, you know, because yeah, it's, it's so it's, straightforward. It's so straightforward. I saw something now. the other day, and I, I think it was on Instagram, and it was like, it, it was someone saying, I, I don't object to a man buying me a drink because there's a pay gap, so he yeah. can afford it. Absolutely, <laughs> that's Elizabeth on dates. <laughs> <laughs> In life in general. In life. She's like, I don't even do the fake like hand like tug of the purse because she's like, mate, we live in a patriarchy. Like, you, there's some change to be made up. So you guys met at Warwick University, yeah. is yeah. that right? And how did that happen? What was the moment? I'm quite cutthroat and I'm quite happy to get rid of people. But for some weird reason, I don't know if it was this premonition of slaying your lane <laughs> coming to fruition. You knew it would pay I, off. Honestly, I just met her and like she was really standoffish. But I really liked her because I was like, oh, she seems to like really be her own person. So from reading the book, it seems that you formed a very strong bond very quickly what was it like for you there there was 
reams of racism um, Warwick like it was super racist super elitist um, ma- massively classist do you mean socially stuff. or institutionally um, or both? both both I'd say probably less so institutionally to be honest but definitely but I think the problem with the institution was that they didn't have the means to sort of um, address racism when it happened but we was thought, that like the Bob Marley fancy dress oh yeah all that kind of rubbish right. like Django slave Unchained auction. themed oh, slave auctions and rubbish like I that I couldn't believe that yeah team. it was yeah. ridiculous like you know the, the rugby team were like crazy and this stuff like what, still goes the on team? oh they just be like flippantly racist we have another friend that's like we're really close to who would just come back and sort of be like oh you know these people were casually like just very casually in front of her being like massively racist and we were all quite numb to it but I think what was interesting is that for me and Elizabeth's experience is that we were battling sort of like the wider like racist sort of wider community but then also we had there were a lot of problems that stemmed within our community from like because of things like respectability politics if you move if you behaved a particular way it was sort of you know you were really policed so you policed on like one end by racist people then policed within your own community and we felt it was really important to talk about because there's no point pretending again that like there are only issues in some spaces there were issues again even like classism because um we were sort of like you know the normal like um nigerian like south london based girls but then you there was a kind of wave of um nigerian students that literally were like sort of born and raised in nigeria and obviously in order to sort of afford to come to a place like warwick they were like millionaires essentially and they would kind of look at us and kind of be like who are these peasants but it's obviously they weren't racist because they were nigerian as well but they kind of looked it's at us and like though. right exactly and like, we thought it was very important to kind of i'm not listen you're, you're, you're not racist but you are, but an, are asshole. Yeah. And a prick. and i think yes <laughs> i know we like, sometimes you, you just got to call a prick a prick exactly. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it was just, I think there are all these weird nuances that I think a lot of, uh, would have been a surprise to a lot of white people to read, but a lot of black people definitely have experienced it and haven't necessarily seen it articulated. And we just thought it was important that like, we were like, yes, there is massive racism in institutions like Warwick, but then at things like the Afro-Caribbean Society, which we went to, there's a lot of, people always say it's kind of like Game of Thrones. There's a lot of like, (laughs) you know, like backbiting and backstabbing and it can be really like sort of anxiety inducing and really bad for mental health. So yeah, your mental health gets shot there. Very Very. political, but for several reasons. It prepared us for Slaying Your Lane. It really did. If we hadn't done it, we wouldn't have the mental fortitude, I think, because we went through a lot navigate both Fighting things everybody yeah. uni yeah it was interesting um, so, sorry i was just going to say <laughs> what you were, what you were saying about having having the kind of the dual identities or whatever that you know you write very movingly about having depression mm. and i think that 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 i mean it, did you think do you think that was caused by the pressures mm. that you were under like in of of trying to kind of work out where you fit or mm. or do you think i think to be honest like i think uni was a very difficult time for like a myriad of reasons work was like very overwhelmingly white it was really kind of trying just mentally being away from home I'm you know I'm really close to my family and like that kind of like you know little things like not being able to get your hair done because no one does black hair in the local yeah it just it just cuts yeah like it's little yeah music I, like me and Elizabeth used to love raving and like dancing and it was like it was such a sort of slog to be able to find someone that played the music that you liked and we became very used to just you know just suffering in silence that like the with music we hate not necessarily hated because Yay, we're quite open-minded but pain, jump right, do you know what I mean we got very <laughs> used to it and it was fine but it wasn't necessarily like what we wanted and I think um before uni I had like no issues with mental health whatsoever but I think it was just I was really confused as to why I felt that way but I think it just reminded me that like mental health is something that everyone goes through it's not a white thing it's not as it can often be characterized within the community um it's just something that happens and it's not like a massive thing happened that made me feel that way i think it was just like constant like little niggles that just made me feel down so um so you left and 
Elizabeth, you went into marketing. Yeah. And you became a journalist. Yeah. Yeah, and you worked for a few publications, didn't you? Yeah. And what's next for you guys, for the Slay and Your Lane girls? Um, so we have a book called um, Slay Your Lane, the, um, the Loud Black Girls, the anthology. Um, well, that's the working title at the moment. Mm. Um, things can change. But essentially, it's going to be an anthology of different writers, um, 21 different writers from different backgrounds, um, black women, who we are going to commission to write about what essentially post-Brexit, hopefully post-Trump means to them being a black woman in today, essentially. And we're going to kind of like give them the free reign to kind of like work towards a theme, but essentially write what's really important to them. Mm. Um, it was really important for us to kind of, in this book, to kind of look to the new crop of writers and new women, like forward looking, as opposed to, I guess, with Staying On Lane, we looked, at, we looked back a lot in terms of generations and a lot of older women. So it's a different kind of book, but, um, but still under the Staying On Lane brand, which mm. is always about optimism, mm. but you know, and some progress, frustration. Right? Yeah, I'm exactly. Uh, I want to go through your handbags. Yay! Oh my God, my okay, boring, boring so handbag. Yeah, go on then you're me so, I, so I don't boring. trust women who have handbags like that it's extremely it's super pretty nice, isn't it? it's so numbers. pretty where's it from what's the story I think it's from Topshop I think it got, I got it on sale last year I didn't buy but anything you know, from sale it's 4 o'clock on a weekday afternoon presumably you've been running around all day with that it's, it's, it's like so, an envelope honestly yeah I have to <laughs> this is a real um, disclaimer because normally my I normally have this horrible um, Primark men's backpack that <laughs> I usually sort of carry around and have yes, and and just, and can backpacks ever work discuss <laughs> They're important. And they, they, they make every useful, outfit look terrible. But they, yeah, exactly. They make you look, they, they, what's the word? Not agey. They make you look younger by like 15 years, but not in a good way. No. It's just like you're in primary Like school. a child. Yeah, exactly. Well, although, although your mental development is somehow sort of, you yeah. know, has been arrested. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, point. it's not, it's definitely not flattering by any means. But this bag's very flattering and empty. And it's, it's literally beautiful. got like a little... What would you call this? I would card holder. Card, card holder. holder. That's it. It's a little. It's a little. Um, tiny mock croc card oh, yes. holder. And it's got the Slang Your Lane. Slang is S L Y L. Yeah, it was a quite gift. posh. It's quite posh. And then I've got keys. Let's see the oh, keys. look, these are fun. This has got like this is from uni. It's a little sperm <laughs> keyring. <laughs> you have a keyring. That, that is how you know I've not changed that sperm. since. <laughs> It looks since I was nineteen. It looks rather dispiritingly as though the end of the sperm has been chewed. I was just about to say. I I guarantee you, I can't. It's it's filthy. It did used to want to glow Um, in the dark. I was just about to say, did it glow in the dark? It It looks like, Uh, but now it just looks like it's sort of. So on your queue, you have a glow in the dark sperm. You have a USA Washington DC. What is that? Oh my God, globe piece of sort of. God, I don't. I really attach every single queuing I'm ever given because that was from Freshers Fair. And then you have a little glittery. And that was from college. God, you look oh, after wow. things says, pretty well. I do. Well. Like, props to you. Got, no, I was like 16 when I got that. 17. And basically, you're a jailer. Yeah, look at that. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise I'll lose them. Why so many keys? To, to, these are just all the houses to my, like, the, the keys, sorry, to my sister's house, my house, and then, well, my family's house. And then I think this was once to, like, a suitcase or something, but, But yes, they're long keys. gone. <laughs> Absolutely long gone. And then I've got like a really old busted Vaseline, which I don't even use Vaseline because it's bad for your lips. Like, yeah, so it dries them out. Yeah, it dries them out. Yeah. But I how you know this petroleum is jelly bag. actually is, is, is slightly the work of the devil because it, it just, is. it's addictive Absolutely. and it makes them worse. Absolutely. So and I can't even open this. Actually, because it's, it's cocoa butter flavour, quite yummy. Normal, you know. <laughs> smells nice though. Absolutely terrible. And what else? Um, What's your I book? have the Handmaid's Tale, but it doesn't even fit in this bag. That's <laughs> this is not my normal bag. 
But this is, I was rereading The Handmaid's Tale because um, I've, I've read this about six times and never made it to the end. Which How is, is it on a reread? Because I haven't read it since I was 16. Um, mm. Phenomenal. Mm. Really, really good. But you know, Margaret Outwood famously said there's nothing in that book that hasn't happened to a woman somewhere in the world. Yep. And that's really true and harrowing, especially on a reread. When you're old enough to kind of be like, when Shit, you're old enough to actually possible. have empathy. Absolutely. Because, you know, we're all slightly psychopathic when we're kids. Yeah, it's because you're trying 16, to yeah. work out who you are. Exactly. But now that you're. I mean, you're still embryos. <laughs> no, I'm still a child. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Elizabeth. Oh, hers okay. will be far more interesting. So, All right, so no, I need to say that y- y- Yomi Such forgot to tell friend. Elizabeth that she we were going to go through a handbag. So Yomi, being a bad you friend, just got a tiny, posh, little glittering bag with nothing. Elizabeth has got the full horror which we are looking for. But the bag is really nice, though. The by Lola whatever. The reality. The reality. Very nice tomato red. Lovely. Little, what's that? Is that a taupe? Not really. What is it? It's, when, it's I ordered, good it, size. when I ordered it, it was it said large. So I don't Are know what happened. Honestly, it was large. It was meant to be bigger. Are those sound yeah, reducing headphones? Yeah. Are we talking about those as padded cells for the soul? They're perfect. <laughs> I need them. So they're like 15 quid off Amazon. I've got my sister I, these. Yeah. Oh, those are the so cheap Sony those ones. Those are the cheap Sony mm, ones. Because really they, they flog them for about 300 quid. So that's really? a top tip. We'll be How taking a photograph of them. I've got for like 15 quid. And do they do they block out the world? Really? Do you sometimes put them on and not listen to anything? Yeah, yeah, me too. Honestly, it's just it. yeah. I just have it there. It keeps my head, it keeps my ears warm as well. Yeah, me mm. too. I found that was like weirdly the weirdest cost saving that I don't have to wear one of those hats that <laughs> combined with the rucksack well, makes me look like, as discussed, a New Zealand. Yeah, sorry, Emily in the hobbit. rucksack immediately looks as though she's from New Zealand. There's nothing we can do about that. Oh, and if we dig deeper, we find brioche. 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 Yeah, because I'm doing this thing where I refuse to to spend money now so okay. you're on like a money now, diet yeah so the days of spending money in like fancy sushi just for the sake of it are gone I am now on a strict money diet and I carry M&S brioche rolls around with me to sustain but me but you know that's quite posh <laughs> M&S brioche <laughs> rolls thank you for seeing through it I'm, I'm like exactly I'm sure it's, 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 it's cheaper yeah, exactly. it's cheaper than you know than, than salmon sashimi yeah, yeah. but you know what index are we working in taste. here it's still M&S it's, it's still M&S it has these to be. are not any brioches they're M&S brioches and then, oh my God, my bag is so dirty. That Don't I've, worry, honestly, I have a layer of hair on the bottom of mine. My, so oh I, my and, and fingernails. She doesn't know who oh they belong to, she's got fingernails. It makes you, honestly, it makes you sound oh like a serial God. killer. Um, so yeah, my bag is really disgusting. Is that a portable charger? Yeah, yeah. I honestly trying to work don't out how the house. we feel about people who carry portable chargers. We admire they are you. We resent you. <laughs> we're always right because we're always ready to like. Well, you are always right. Me. Always ready to offer our, our power our power bank but yeah I oh you share you share your power oh, bank oh I do because I honestly I'm always like do you need it do you? I'm very <laughs> oh, like you share your power yeah I have to unless I'm like on one but yeah I, I cannot leave my house without a charger mm. if I don't have a charger then there's no point leaving yeah. you see you're too young they were in the days of the of the trusty Nokia this is like what 15 years ago I had a Nokia Longer. well it took about three weeks for that battery yeah, to drain <laughs> exactly exactly and, and now, if you've done a bit of podcast, a bit of Honestly. Instagram, it doesn't last you past 9.15. It really doesn't. So you always have to be prepared, even if I'm leaving the house for like two minutes. And then I've got a bit, bit a Burt's Bees lip balm bee wax thing. Are you addicted to it? You know what? Not this one. Which one are you addicted I'm, to? This is the La Roche. La Roche. Oh my God, that one. La yeah. Roche-Posay? Yes. Oh my God, that. That I'm addicted to. It's a bit expensive, but 
I put it on every night now. Nice and brand. When I'm at home, it's really yeah. But now brand. that you're on a, a money diet, no more La Roche Posay for you. I got it for four pounds because oh. it normally six pounds fifty. Okay. So I yeah. So I got okay, it on. Okay, so you saved so that, yeah, that right? exactly. in the bank, right? <laughs> exactly. And then honestly, it's just yeah. Then I've got hand cream. I can't leave. Oh, can't leave my house. Interesting. How many women we find are carrying hand cream, and we we ne- we never quite know if hand cream is evil because it does make you quite slidey, <laughs> locked in the loo, can't but pick it's up. Necessary. Um, but it's necessary. It's my hands. I like this stuff. This is. Laura Mercier, um, amber vanilla hand cream. They do a whole range. They do a honey bath. Yeah. They do. Have you tried the bath? When, when I no, I haven't. And honestly, actually. it smells. Smell. It smells so good that every time I oh, do it, it on public delicious. transport, someone do people asks, look people, No, people tap me, and it's like it's happened twice. Like oh that's so lovely. What is it? I still sense your editing. What else? Let me have a look at it. Though. I want to see how dirty it is. It's so dirty. Then I've got this hairbrush card. This is, card the, of mine, but this is the head br- hairbrush. Is disgusting. Ah, uh, okay, fine. So these dirty, look like teeth. Do you know what they are? I'm a snapper. I'm oh on God, the go. So do you know those little yogurt, yogurt covered, covered <laughs> raisins? Why are they? Why are they square? Like do you know teeth? why? Because I open them and then they just like. Oh, your bag has molded them into rectangular yeah. shapes. This is a disturbing sight. It's disgusting, right? <laughs> you should be glad it's only me. I'm quite restrained with your keys. With yeah. a, a fair all. It tells us a different personality type. Honestly, <laughs> you'd never have that sperm on there, would you? But do you know what I realised though? Oh, frankly, no one would have that sperm. Can I ask you a question? So. Are there, thank you for letting us go through your handbag. Oh, right, um, are there any sort of mantras that you live by, things that you tell yourselves as young women every day, whether it's about work and imposter, whether it's about life, whether it's about how you feel about yourself? Mm. Are there any things that have been useful to you, sayings, mantras, affirmations? Um, I would say... Or advice, anything like that. Honestly, sounds so basic, but be yourself because everybody else is taken. Yeah. Because it's so, I would say the joy of being yourself is something we underestimate a lot. Just being your authentic self with your friends, but just like having a sense of self, it's so important. And also the message behind that is recognizing that you're, that you're enough and that you're yeah, good enough. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you've got to work out how you show that to the world in you know different ways and not trying to morph into another person and I think that's honestly like it doesn't matter if you're 20 or you're 18 or you know you're 35 I think being yourself as much as possible is, is so liberating mm. um, and having a strong ident- strong sense of self which is one of the reasons actually as we were talking earlier that university can be so disturbing mm. yeah because you're trying all these different cells exactly. for yeah. size until you feel very shriveled you you're 18 so, or just yeah also i feel like because school is so sort of you know you you have so many levels of attainment and then you get to university and suddenly it feels sudden like you're starting again and Absolutely. then leaving university and i found that incredibly difficult because yep. you're starting again, again yeah. and you're like oh my god I'm, it's not about being at the bottom it's just about having to kind of I tell, you what, but I, t- yeah. I tell you what, you, you know, we may be working through our midlife crisis by doing what we're doing, but you guys are dealing with your wilderness years mm. because Ooh, the 20s are not easy. It's what I call the 20s. I think they're hard. It's when you're hard, right? trying on yes, all those so different hard. masks and voices. I found it I feel like the t- early 20s were absolutely horrific, but horrific. I feel like now I'm kind of like in the twilight of my 20s where oh, I feel like I things are a bit more, <laughs> you don't feel so. Do you have anything that that you say yeah. to yourself that that helps you um well yeah i think like me and elizabeth even at uni we always talk about like you know authentic authenticity over everything but because she's already kind of covered that whole idea of like being yourself um i always repeat the same zadie smith quote um just about writing but i think it can apply to anything um she said something like 
um, in writing avoid cliques, gangs and groups because the presence of a crowd won't make your writing any better than it is. And I think in the industry that we work in, in terms of sort of like media and like, it's very easy to kind of see like, especially on like platforms like Twitter and Instagram, it's like you can see this like gaggle of like verified accounts kind of all like, you know, clustered together and all kind of looking like they have everything in common and it can make you feel like, unless you're part of it, that, you know, you're kind of doing something wrong. But I think me and Elizabeth have always been quite, I wouldn't say antisocial, but very much to ourselves and always kind of like knowing what it is we want to do. And I think external influence can be really good in terms of shaping you as a person and getting you into the right direction. But sometimes it can kind of inject you with ideas that aren't authentic to you or that aren't don't benefit yours. you. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, even sometimes like being a journalist and being on a platform like Twitter can be really difficult because you've got your own ideas and your own understanding of an event. And then there'll be this whole thread that kind of says everything you think is wrong. And it can be good to read that for like another side of a, you know, perspective. But then it's important to me anyway, not to internalize that and be like, that's my stance now. Because when we were writing Staying Your Lane, we tried to avoid like, you know, we already knew what loads of people thought about stuff. And we were like, we don't want to just parrot other people's ideas. We need to know what we think. Yeah. But also, and, you know, I think that's why, certainly Emily and I have experienced this. It is very creatively productive, comforting and reassuring to do something in a twosome absolutely mm-hmm. and bat those ideas off each yeah, other and so on that note I'm going to say it's been a pleasure and a privilege oh, we think you're sensational thank you so much thank you so much honestly thank you have been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Mid-Alt our book I'm Absolutely Fine is out now if you like what you've heard please rate review and subscribe this podcast was bravely sponsored by Hush and we'll leave you with this thought idiots happen Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.